any way to do a Bible or a Bible app with you this morning, why don't you go ahead and find Psalm 42, and we'll be looking at Psalm 42. If you don't have the Bible with you, it's okay. I'm going to have the verses up on the screen, so if you can follow along that one. And if you're looking for a good Bible app for your smartphone, you version, in my opinion, is one of the best. There's uh, different translations. You can listen to the Bible on your phone. Uh, you can actually find reading translations to help you uh, connect with God uh, wherever you want. And so I encourage you guys to look at it. We're in a series um, called God Speaks. And the heart behind this series is to really address the issues to help people uh, connect with God in His Word, right? Because we all know that sometimes when we go read the Bible, it can be overwhelming. Um, you know, you can get into some pretty crazy imagery. You know, you can read a prophet, you know, especially if you try to read a detailed all these wheels and some other wheels and these wheels and some other wheels, it gets really confusing. You know, and so it doesn't read like some of the things that are familiar to us, but it's also uh, a, a book that is extremely important to us in our faith, and it's one of the primary ways that we know that our experience with God is aligned with the heart and the will of God, and it, it helps us connect with Him in a deeper and clearer way. And so we've been dealing with some of the common questions and challenges that go along with connecting with God and His Word. Today, we're going to be talking about what happens when we lose our desire to spend time in God's Word, when we, when we just don't feel like it. And that's one thing that, you know, if you walk with Jesus in your life at time, you're going to have days like that. You know, you're, you're just not feeling it. You don't you know, read, you don't pray, you don't go to church, you don't go to Christians, you don't believe anymore. You don't have those emotions and, and moods in your life where that is true. And so today, I want to help you know how to respond, what you can do when you find yourself in that place. The first principle that I'm going to give you today is to ask God why. You need to ask God why. That's pretty obvious. You know, and it's the natural thing that we want to do, right? When we're struggling, we want to know why. For some people, they, they just feel like maybe that's not a good thing for them to do. You know, if you're doing questions, that we've been talking. But I want to encourage you that when we look at this psalm today, just a little backstory on it, the words that we're about to read are from David in the Bible. Now, David was, you know, known as a man after God's own heart. He was a leader of Israel. God used him in mighty ways to bring about God's will within God's people. And so this is a guy that's not, you know, somebody that's just on the sideline. This is a hero of our faith, right? You know, David is alive for him. This is the same David. You know, has this incredible faith. And we're going to look at his walk in, in this psalm because this is like his spiritual journal that we're reading. And we're going to see that he even has times where he has questions for God. So, uh, 42 verse 9, uh, David turns around and he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And so David is finding himself as he's talking to God in a situation where things just don't seem to connect at all. He's feeling like God has forgotten him. He feels like God is disallowing uh, oppression and, and the enemy to overrun him. He talks about mourning, you know, this, this, this deep grieving and crying. And then he's just coming straight out and saying, Why, God? 
And what I want you to understand is that God meets us at our point of need always, whatever that point of need is. God is big enough and wise enough and powerful enough to realize that we are finite people who don't always have it together. And this is what we need to understand, right? We need the Bible that teaches us to be all knowing. And we're thinking, well, God knows everything, which means that you and I don't have to have it all figured out. God knows everything. God is all powerful, which means God can do anything. There's nothing outside of His ability or power, which means that when God invites us to come to that we don't have to do anything in our own strength, that we can do it in God's strength. When it says that God is ever present, that there's never a place that we go where God is not there, that means that we are never alone in ourselves. That our experience causes us to feel differently than the truth. And David finds himself in that situation. But the encouragement that I want you to have is that you can go to God and ask Him why without being ridiculed or kicked to the God wants you to come to Him with your every need, question, joy, and desire of your heart. God wants to be involved in every detail. And this is the heartbeat of God. And so when we ask God why, it's not offensive to him. And for David, he had a very serious question. He was at a time in his life where nothing seemed to be going on. A lot of people believe in the timeline of things. David had already sinned against the fever. You know, he was called for an end of time for that. You know, before the just to kind of end this whole tension of, you know, fighting those battles, leading the people of Israel. He's worn down, he's run down, he's having a hard time connecting. And so, for various reasons, whether it's before God was there, whether it's after his sin with the people, then either way, he's still coming to him asking this incredible question why? And I think that's where we need to be given. Because if we don't ask God why, then who are we going to and the advice we get is only as good as the character of the person that is tied to for the next thing. The next thing that we need to do when we lose our desires for the God is to remember God's steadfast today. That's really important. You know, for a lot of people, we think, what is it that you have to do? What are the steps? And so, you know, this path is how I fight it, and that's part of it. But I'm going to encourage you before you jump into the fight. I want you to remember who God is as a person. I want you to strip back all of the questions and all of the doubts and all of the fears like David did because this is a verse that he said just before he asked God. So they're conflicting emotions. So this is what he says. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. Think about that. God commands him. And at night, his song is with you. His song? His song is with you. A prayer to the God of my You know what he's saying? He's remembering the fact that God loves him. He's remembering the fact that God sings over him. He's remembering the things that we talk about in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf, and we don't even know the words. When we can't even put words to the struggle of the feeling, he's, he's talking about that same kind of experience here in the world. 
And what you need to remember is that God loves you. And everything that he has done is to love you. And if God loves you so much, he's willing to go through the horror of the cross and the beauty that came before it, and he was willing to sacrifice himself to provide a way for you and him to have close friendship. Then your struggle and your fears and your doubts and your questions and your emotions are less greater than that love. It's not going to say, well, hey, you're not feeling it today, see you later. God is relentless in his pursuit of you. And so when you remember God's steadfast love, it's a command. He's, he's not only loving, but he commands and is sending that love. He, he personifies that love and says, I'm commanding it to come your way. I'm sending it over your life. It's a prayer to the God of my life. And I want you to remember that, that when you're struggling, it's not all up to you. You need to remember that God loves you and He will pursue you. And He will never stop pursuing you. And so, stripping away all these questions of theology and God's sovereignty and my will and, you know, and sin and suffering in the world that are all real experiences in life, they come back to the very clear picture that God has loved us so much. That he would sacrifice himself, and he's so powerful that he rose from the dead to offer us that love to live within our hearts. And it's coming back to that simplicity that it is for us. That's what we do. And so that's the part of God. So ask God and then remember his steadfast love. Next thing that we can do. As we <coughs> wrestle to find our passion to spend time with God, is to look for a deeper struggle. And we see this in verses uh, 5 and 11. He says two times in the very same words Why are you tempted down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within you? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation. And so as we think about you know, what we need to do here, he's, he's telling us, you know, to, to really look at a deeper struggle. So it's not just about asking God, it's about doing some interesting Why am I concerned? I should be hoping in God. I, I know that God promises that I'm saving it. I know that this isn't it, but we're wrestling with it, right? So you ever been in that point as David is, he's wrestling through this psalm and he goes into the next psalm, Psalm 43, and he says the same word again. So this is an ongoing struggle with him. It's a season of life where he keeps coming back and saying, Why am I downcast? I should be doing this. I should be connecting with God. I should be leading in things. I should be putting my hope in God. But I'm struggling, and I know that the future is out here, but today I'm struggling to connect with God. And you have to ask yourself, Why? Why is there a disconnect? There's a lot of reasons for that. Once you change this, you're tough, right? If you're going through a transition, everything feels unsettled, it's really hard to connect with God. When you feel unsettled, it affects the way you do it. Hardship. You've experienced some kind of loss in your life. I think sometimes in the Christian circles, we think, well, you don't do this until grief to last for a few days and then you should be okay. That's not true. For some, it, 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 it makes your life and you're never the same. 
And you go through a series of emotions and cycles to find hope when you're grieving and when you're struggling and when you're angry and when you doubt and all of these things. But God is there in it. But it's not this idea that, well, if you really believe God, you would never have a struggle in eternity. I think the church does a great disservice with that message because we neglect the power of circumstances in our lives and the need for a better awareness of emotional health. And I believe the Bible teaches us very differently. Paul, the guy who wrote 13 books of the New Testament, who literally started the gospel movement throughout Asia Minor, took the gospel to three countries, said that he despaired in his life to the point of death. He wrestled with the question. What is it the Bible going to say? You think maybe you put back to God's love, yes, but if you question, then it's your fault. Not true. So you've got to dig into that. Where's my disconnect? Maybe it's your fault. And there's so many times when we're struggling, we think that it's all transactional. We can just choose the circumstances we're feeling. But sometimes our vision is giving us a warning that something's out of balance. We live in a day and age where half the things we eat disrupt our digestive system, which is where our immune system is. And we're not feeling well. And if we don't feel well, we're not going to think well, we're not going to have the emotional health that we want. It affects every area of our life. It's a big leap. Don't be afraid to explore those things. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, it doesn't mean that you fail, it doesn't mean that you disappoint anybody. It's coming to the bottom line of why am I this day? Why am I really struggling when I feel in my mind this truth about God, but it's not connected? There is a reason. Right? Because we can put our hope in all kinds of things when the struggle is just discouraged. Sin will rob you of the joy of connecting with God. And God died on the cross to remove sin to take that barrier away. And to think that even in Christ that we can say, yes, we're forgiven. Yes, God's not going to punish us. There might be earthly consequences. There might not be. We can get into that whole game. But the truth is that when we're sinning, it makes it really hard for us to connect to the God who loves us because it puts distance between us and Him. Why does God hate sin? Why does God want to remove it from your life? So there's no distance between you and Him. Another reason we don't talk about it much is a heart view of God. You know, for me, you know, the father figure in my life, you know, I really struggled to connect with him and he really struggled to connect with me. And I carry that into my understanding of his father. And so because I feel like, you know, my earthly dad was part of the things I never knew what made me happy. I don't really know what makes my heavenly father happy. And so when I read the Bible, it's like this set of instructions that I got to know to perfection in order to experience God's pleasure, which never seems to come. But it's not something that God wants. Oh, Father, I just, Rick, I love you for who you are and where you are. I want to be a part of your everyday life. And yet, I'm to work through those areas and develop your character and make you into the image that I created you to be. But I'm not up there condemning you and laying out these harsh, you know, weird rules. I'm calling you into relationship and I'm showing you what will lead you away from me and what will lead you to me. It's a very different mindset. But all of these things can change the way we read the Bible and how we connect with God. And we need to ask ourselves, why? 
are you doing this? To do that hard work and find a deeper strength. What we do next is to be honest about feelings. The dirtiest word in the church is a whole other Christian word that we have fighting. Right? Yes, people, if you know struggling, yes, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Are you? Sometimes it's hard to walk into a faith community and to be open and transparent about where you are. And so it's like, I don't know if I'm a trustless person, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a work in the ministry, you know, you're struggling, and I don't know if there's all the reasons to call it all like that. But at some point, we got to at least be able to come to God, and we at least have to come before one or two other Christians that are really part of our, our life and our faith that can encourage us. And let the guard down and just be in this. We have to realize that it's not always fun. We have to be honest. And again, it goes back to that mindset, you know, in, in some churches, what they're taught is that if you really believe in God, you wouldn't die, you wouldn't struggle, you wouldn't fear, you wouldn't have all these things. No, you, you have doubts, you have fears, you have struggles, but you have faith in the middle of it. It's the exercise of seeing what is not yet seen and hoping for what is not yet come, which means that you're going to deal with the obstacles and the struggles that are in the middle of that. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It just means that you're struggling to see the promise on the other side. But faith is what keeps us trusting in God in the middle of all those things. And we need to be honest about our fears. We see this in verse 3 of Psalm 42. It says, My fears have been my food day and night. He's not holding back. And he's, he's talking about his experiences like that. This is how I feel. This is what I am. This is a mess. Day and night, it's, like it's all I eat. It's just the only appetite I have is this, this crying and this separation. And, you know, for some of us, maybe our disconnect from God is not that intense, but it ought to encourage us that even when it is this intense, we can be honest. It says, while they say to me all day long, where is your distance from my struggles and my thoughts and my fears and my tears are saying, where is God? Now, we can try to church that up and ignore that we have these feelings, and we can be honest about them to God, first and foremost, and asking for someone that we can come to to walk alongside us and help us to remember the mercy of God. He also goes on and says a little further down in verse 10, and he keeps repeating this cycle. And he says, and with a deadly word in my bone, just like, man, this has cut me all the way to the bone, and my adversary taught me. So whether it's emotional or physical or, or mental, they're taunting him, and while they say to me all day long, where is your God? You need to know. We're not going to get anywhere in life that's ending and overlooking our weaknesses, sometimes the best thing we can do is realize that weakness is the economy that God works with in the Bible. This is how God works. It, it's all about weakness when you're weak and strong. You don't bring anything you can earn or deserve salvation. I give it to you. You come to the table empty-handed, full of spirit, and I give you every blessing that you need. It's an, it's an exchange of saying, what I bring to the table is nothing compared to what God wants to give me. That's how Christianity works. That's why surrender is what God asks for in this commitment. 
from that resolve, we believe that even the footprints around that time where God began to speak to his people and give his covenant, where he said, I will be your God, I want you to be my people. This is what it means to love me, to be me. This is what's going to help you know how to connect with me and what disconnects you from me. This is what's going to help you enjoy healthy relationships with other people and what's going to disconnect you from that. Right? You look at the Ten Commandments, the first four of you our relationship with God, so let's have a love Lord our God with all of us. So let me share the last thing just how to love our neighbors ourselves. It's a summary statement of what it's like to live in a relationship with him and with other people without him. And it's his promise that he says, you can't do this, but I will do this in you and through you and for you if you trust me. He remembers that covenant promise. And so he's remembering past victories and past promises. And then he talks about deep calls to be at the war of your waterfalls. Or some of your translations will say water stops. And what is he doing? He's, he's using parallel language to talk about being cast out and speed, the waves are crashing right and left. You know, to help you give an illustration of this, I grew up in Daytona Beach and um, I first. And one of the things that, you know, that you did if you actually uh, thought that you had the skills to serve is you would start doing this. Totally stupid. All of his testosterone, just to raise it to do it. Um, he was a people of joy, and it was all about survival, it's all about catching perfect waves. Because you have 15 to 20 foot waves coming at you from every possible direction. If you can manage to get out to where the steps start to break, that was like a victory. Nobody cares if you made it back alive, because you got out there, that's awesome, you know? And so I remember trying to surf there in Hurricane Andrew. I mean, it took me 45 minutes to go about 60 yards past the boat. And I can totally relate to being in the middle of a storm. And you think that you've come across one way. You, you've gone up 20 feet and you come back down only to find that there's one coming off the side. And what he's talking about, it just seems like the water keeps pulling, that the deep is calling out the deep, and the storm below is calling out to the storm above, and it's all crashing on top of me from top and below, from side to side, from front to back. It seems like it gets more and more intense, and then on top of that, you have these waterfalls and these water spots that are coming off you, and all your breakers and all your waves, notice what he says, all your breakers and all your waves are going even in the storm down, I survived. I survived for community. <laughs> it wasn't for me, but it was for me. It's remembering that even in the midst of all consciousness, the God is still there. And he has not been to David is starting to reflect back on the feelings of these times. He starts remembering those moments. And what happens in that is that your heart starts to wake up. All of those reasons why you kind of push out and feel discouraged or health struggle or hardship or you know, distortion of faith about God starts to melt away when you remember that God is in the It's just a step. It's just a step. 
and soul thirsty for the living God. When I get a look at the feeling, when shall I come in the spirit of fullness? He's talking to us at this time. When am I going to see your face again? Because I see it. What's really interesting here is as a deep place for flowing streams, what we would do is not for being humble. He felt like whatever he was struggling with was just relentlessly pursuing it. And he realized that in that chase, in that struggle, the only thing that would come to was the deepest longing of his heart and the midst of all of his questions and all of his struggles and all of his doubts was for God. And he ended with the thing. He began by saying, That's my longing. He ended with a verse I just told previously with the realization that God was pursuing him. And so, God, even in this experience, that you are. That's what I want you to understand. So, when you're saying, I don't get it, I don't know why I'm down path, I should be able to connect to God, God, I shouldn't feel this way, I, my encouragement to you is wait. Wait on the Lord. Even though you're feeling crushed, God is right there with you. And you will see He will restore your heart. Because that's the message of Christianity that you need. Not just love you. I love you. I renew you because I love you. That's just fine. He will restore your relationship. He will show himself to you. And you do. So don't get that. To close out, here's a quote from Charles Henry Spurgeon who is the next best thing to living in the light of the Lord's life to experience that, to experience that, to be really holy, is to be unhappy. So, to realize that the fact that I desire God is actually the evidence that God is actually calling me close to Him. But it is the truth.